Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris, Kaleem and Gunnar to discuss the topic of how to maintain team culture whilst working remotely. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Kaleem, would you like to kick us off? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Sam. Okay, my name is Kaleem uh, Mullah. Uh, I'm um, working as a senior engineering manager in uh, Mask. At Mask, uh, we are developing a software that helps the vessels uh, to uh, uh, to uh, minimize the carbon dioxide emissions, uh, both on the shore side as well as on the on the vessel itself. Yeah, that's it. Excellent, and Gunnar. Yeah, my name is Gona Hammonds and I'm working for a company called Entrust. I work with the uh, protection of identity and that can be identity for a person or uh, s- s- some IoT or transaction or whatever you have that is an identity. We can protect that with like multi-factor authentication if you're a person or some certificate infrastructure like national ID or national signing. Um, so a lot of different things. We also make bank cards and technology for for cards. So every more like eighty percent of the world's card has been either through either our technology with certificates or or uh, one of our printers. So I maintain some uh, teams that do supports for some of these products. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you. And, and last but not least, Chris. Thank you very much. My name is Christopher. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Rail Solution, which is an IT consultancy company uh, located in Copenhagen in Denmark. So we do uh, IT consultancy and bespoke software for uh, medium and large enterprises to smaller startups. Uh, so our largest client, which is SAB Systems, which is an British company who does heating and ventilation system, where we build basically the entire IT infrastructure from managing their clients, assembling their products, managing their warehouse statuses, you know, to working with smaller startups where we just have, a, you know, a few developers on building, you know, a software as a service or any kind of bespoke software. So we are we're working with a variety of different, uh, different clients. On that. Fantastic. Now that we've established a context and the background of each of you, uh, let's let's move on to the topic in focus. You've all got a question or a statement around or un- under the umbrella of how to maintain team culture whilst working remotely. And as usual, we'll, I'll work around the room and pose your questions and context behind it to each of you uh, to give you the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Um, we're going to start today, I think, with a question put forward by someone who is not able actually to join us on the podcast today, but hopefully he will do again in the future. Um, so we'll just have to kind and of guess what kind of context that he's around. But I, I think it's quite a self-explanatory question. So um, the question was, what is the right level of remote working and why? Is it 100% remote, two to three days? And how to handle onboarding of new employees in a remote working environment? Chris, I believe we're going to come to you first on this one. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, the level of remote working definitely depends a lot on what kind of project and what kind of team culture you have, which is, you know, the general topic of the of the podcast here. Um, because I think, you know, after COVID in general, there's been, you know, a pretty big paradigm shift in remote working and hybrid working in general. Um, so at the at Rail Solutions, we have some Danish employees where sometimes we sit together and work if there's the need for it. Uh, but some of our employees also prefer remote uh, working remotely, you know, completely or entirely. So it's only if there's like, let's call it a special occasion that we actually meet. Um, so I think that unless... You know, if you're talking about some kind of client or some kind of stakeholder, 
that wants to have the demand to actually meet with the developers uh, physically, I think that it should be up to the developer itself and to create the best possible environment for those developers. Um, because I know that a lot of developers like coming into an office, like having that physical atmosphere. And some people like to have, you know, their freedom to to work from home and create their own atmosphere at home. Um, so I think that the first priority to, in order to create a, a successful team and a successful software company, is putting the developers' demands first. Um, of course, that is if there is no, you know, obstacles from the stakeholder or or the team that requires physical meetings. Um, of course, then then the situation is different. Excellent. And Kaleem, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I will start by saying uh, a bit different from what Christopher said, but majority of the things what he said is uh, makes sense. For me, uh, creating a culture in the team is very important. And to create that culture, you need to see people in eyes, not only through the cam, but physically. Because whatever you see on remote, and when you meet a person in person, this is completely different environment and there's a different kind of energy that we have. So for me, it is important that they meet, but I'm not going to force that. I'm, I'm saying is that uh, they should work whenever they have to from home and whenever they want to work from home. But there should, should be some kind of thing that they should come once in a while into the office to meet up and to socialize as well. Even when working, there is socialization because it is easier to ask someone a question if he, she or he is sitting right close to you. And that makes uh, a very very good culture. Uh, so I always say, let's let's say this instead of like working uh, three days at home, we'll try to do three days at uh, work and maybe two days off and the other week turn it around and say three days home and to uh, keep on doing it. But of course, in the end, I keep it to people to manage that itself. But I think it is important that they also show up and meet each other. Meet each other apart from being socializing. Excellent. And Gunnar? Yeah, I, I completely agree that it's it's super important that people meet each other. If it's possible, you, you could have some like distance limitations, roadblocks that you have someone in Singapore and you have someone in Denmark, Copenhagen, and then it, it's very expensive to, to let them meet. Um, but I think that I find this question very interesting because I see more and more companies kind of demanding that you go into office two days a week or something like that. And I think we should be careful with that because like every every person's situation is different. So some might have their children uh, one week and then the next week they don't have their children. So they would prefer to go into to, to office bi-weekly. Um, that's one situation. And the other thing is like, if we ask the same question in a couple of years, the situation might be very different on, when I look on, on hiring, because I think we are going away from hiring locally in close to the office and going to more hiring within the time zone to get the, the completely right skill. And then it's going to be difficult to to ask people to come to office because of that distance so I think we, we, we might going to look at how can we bring people together in another way than just meeting in the office, even though I, I will always encourage people to meet up. Excellent. I think you all made some great points there on what was the right level of remote working. Going to the, the second half of the question, how do you handle the onboarding of these new employees then if they are fully remote? Chris, should we come back around to you first? <laughs> sure thing, sure thing. Uh, I think that's a that's a really good question. And I definitely, uh, to bring back to the point that Kaleem and Gunnar make, I think that, that, that I can also definitely see that point of view and also agree with that very much that you get a different kind of understanding, both professionally and personally when you meet uh, 
employee or person in general, if, you know, physically in person. So, you know, considering the onboarding process being fully remote, there are some, you know, obstacles to it because you don't get the same kind of impression. Let's say if you have someone who is, let's say, offshore developing in, in India or, you know, in, in a foreign country. So you never get the opportunity to meet them physically. <clears throat> So in that in that kind of way, I think it's important to understand that developers, you know, motivational factors and priorities. So maybe they are, especially if they're also a person coming from a different culture in general. So for example, to take India, for example, I know that they have a, I mean, at least many Indians have a different work culture from what we have in, in Europe. So it's very important to understand, you know, their motivational factors. And if they are, for example, a person who likes uh, talking about their private life and doing small talk, they like to keep it more strictly professional. So finding out the motivational factors and the, you know, beginning stages of the onboarding process, I think can really help, um, you know, create a, a, bit, a better work balance, you know, throughout the entire uh, period of their employment at at any given company. Um, and then, of course, you need to ensure that they have the right, you know, technical equipment, they have the right uh, access, you know, all of these, let's say, more technical parameters that needs to, to be in order. But from a cultural point of view, I think the most important thing is finding out those motivational factors for that employee. And then, you know, going back to them every day or every week, whenever you talk to them and ensuring that they're actually happy and the way that, you know, you drive your company is something that also supports that individual person. Yeah, uh, I can add. Well, again, I would say that the, the I agree to whatever Christopher said. Uh, moving on to that, I'm say communication, uh, clear expectations aligned with the person who is going to be onboarded. So I, what I do is uh, coming into America, I have started like uh, having a good communication with the people who's going to onboard. Uh, creating some good agendas uh, with together with them for, for making them to understand where he or she is coming in and uh, also ensuring that the basic necessities are in place because if they are not it starts your day very on the wrong foot uh, and i make sure that uh, the the basic necessities what they require to start up their work is there then they have a clear agenda for at least a week where they know uh, what uh, we have to do. Then I put, uh, ensure that the, the equipments are delivered to them, even if they are in India or in Denmark or wherever they are, then ensure that uh, they get the agenda and we agree upon that. And then we figure out one buddy for them so that he has he or she has a, someone who can he can talk to. And of course, regular communication and following up with the, with the person. That has made sure actually until now that we have a very good onboarding, even though people are being onboarded in India or Bulgaria or whatever, wherever they are. So that is what I'm at least trying to do. And I agree to the point which Christopher mentioned. So. Yes, that's my point. And I would say that both of you have taken some of my points out of my mouth. <laughs> but but in, to add to that, I would say that the, the onboarding plan is more important than ever now when, when people are sitting remote because you can't see if they don't have anything to do and they are get, getting stuck. Or, so the regular check-ins with these people when they get their onboarding plan is also super important. And then some informal, uh, informal calls to them to check up how they are doing. Um, and then also I, I point out some persons that they can reach out to like a reach out to person for like if you have any questions locally, how they do this in, in Reading, in an example, I have a team over there, then a local guy that 
they can reach out to. Do you have any questions with HR? Then that person. So they know who they can reach out to. And then like regular checkups um, and a good onboarding plan that you're also ready to, to alter if necessary. Excellent, guys. Well, well, thank you for that. Chris, I do believe we're going to come around to you now for your question. Uh, he was posed, how do you, as an engineering manager, technical lead, manage an international team with the, with the, the development team? So, Chris, I'm going to come to you to give a bit of context um, before we hand around to the guys. Absolutely. So, basically, uh, regarding this question, it's like coming from my own experience in our own company because we uh, work with a lot of offshore developers combined with Danish developers from all around the world, both from India, Macedonia. Uh, we've worked with some from Greece and then obviously some from, from Denmark as well. Um, so, one of the like challenges or, you know, at least greatest learning points uh, that I've learned is like how did you manage those different cultures because uh, that's both in terms of you know work culture and then you know their background culture the way where they come from and they the way they speak because you know different English dialects can also sound different to some people so that can also lead to some misinterpretations and I think I'm not sure for for Kaleem and Gunnar but uh, I, I got the understanding least that you also work with some remote developers as well so how you handle those obstacles and challenges that can arise from working with offshore remote developers. Excellent, Gunnar. I think we're coming to you on this one. Yeah. So I don't work with remote developers, uh, but I, I do uh, work with development once in a while when, when we have something in support that needs to go to development. And we also have development teams across the world. Um, I think going cross-culture and cross-teams requires that we have some like clear expectations some some policy and process is very important so whenever somebody is sitting with some issue they can look up on an internet on a conference whatever they have to see what is the process for this so we're absolutely clear we don't leave anyone sitting wondering what should i do with this and my manager first works wakes up in like three hours um so it, having clear expectations, clear policy and process, so they have like meat and potato around the things they do is super important. Um, yeah, that I think that's that's the very important thing to avoid these vacuums that the, the the staff can sit in. And I think clear policy works around the globe, in my opinion, no matter what kind of culture. If they that it stands out clear rock and stone like this is what you do then then it's uh, should be clear and then follow up meet i have weekly meetings with my teams so everything can be addressed and then contacts uh, open door policy to everyone on the team yeah i'm uh, the next and I, yeah well i work with uh, a lot of people from india and uh, bulgaria and uh, actually england as well so different kind of cultures i work and in, before that i have also worked when i worked in that company we had people from vietnam and poland and all that that would be working as well so i what i have done in particular is try to understand their ways of working like understand what the culture they have and what is it that motivates them because motivation factor can be very different from different people living in different part of the world so i'm trying to uh, do that and then basically i always have whenever i have a team i have a a book i call that way of working book that we create uh, to ensure that everybody knows exactly what are the things and how do we solve them and if there is nothing uh, that they require then we add them as soon as we know and figure out okay how to fix this problem for anyone in india or so in that way we already uh, fixed the problem 
or at least to make sure that there is a, a book for them to look at it when they come on and uh, need to understand something or fix something. That is it. And then again, coming back to the thing, the clear, clear communication, clear uh, one-to-ones with the people and, and celebrating their uh, days as well. Like for example, India, they have Diwali and uh, we have a Christmas. We ensure that we celebrate with them as well. That makes it very easier for them to actually get involved in the team and uh, uh, be part of the team as well. Because the, when we give them respect, they give, think of, of the respect to us as well. So that is how I think it works. And uh, as I said, communication, communication, and communication. Always do it clear and thorough. Yes. Um, I, I agree very much with Kaleem. And uh, just now that you brought it up, ha- happy Diwali to all the, the Indian uh, people listening now. I think now is just the time for Diwali. Um, yeah. So I, exactly like you said, Kaleem, to elaborate on that, is that you also show, you know, respect and interest for all other people's like cultures and holidays. For example, now doing Diwali, because we also work with some, some Indian developers, you know, just showing interest doing like your own research and, you know, wishing everybody, for example, a happy Diwali, I think shows shows a lot of effort and that really goes a long way uh, that whoever you're working with, you take interest in their culture and maybe do a little bit of, of background research just to show that, you, are, you know, you have personal interest in, in the country culture that they're coming from as well. Um, another thing that I think is really important is that, you know, I think you will find out that depending on which culture your team is coming from, that some people might be be more direct and some people might be a little bit more hesitant. So that can sometimes cause, you know, uh, some issues in terms of that some people might consider it rude to be upfront and some people might consider it, you know, you know, obvious that you would be upfront to some people. What we've tried to do to to you know minimize these type of issues is that we try to keep it a little bit more flat in terms of leadership. So for example, when doing something like code reviews, instead of having just like the tech lead or the senior engineer do all the, the code reviews, which creates a, a very form of like hierarchical structure. Instead of that, we do like peer reviews. So uh, developers review each other's code or they are maybe put on a task which requires both front-end and back-end. Then you try to put some developers together who are maybe from a, from a different culture, um, which then creates a different dynamic and forces the developers to come out of their comfort zone a little bit more and, and meet people across different different cultures um, because I think that just creates, you know, a, a, bit, a better harmony and creates, you know, a more flat leadership and a, and a more sense of unity in, in the end. So I think those kind of things, like really bringing people together across different assignments, across different, you know, ceremonies and chores, like code review, just as an example, I think it's a really great way to, to unite people. Love that. Well, I think that kind of segues us quite nicely to to Gunnar's question. Um, And he wants to know, do you do the virtual events with the team um, that is not work-related to maintain team spirit uh, and then examples of of what you do? Um, Gunnar, have you got any context to to this question? (laughs) Yeah, so the the reason why we once in a while do some of these non-related work meetings is simply to maintain like the feeling of being one team, the feeling of belonging um, and to have some fun also. I think it it should be fun to work um, and we are not always able to sit together and have a, a, an outing uh, physically together. So doing something um, like a virtual pizza <laughs> uh, um, where everyone orders something that they then expense and then we have pizza in front of the webcam. We've done that once. We've done some 
uh, other things. Um, we also have on the authentication side of the business a weekly meeting where it's not allowed to talk about business. It has to be non-work related. Um, but it's always good to get inspiration what everyone else is doing because keep doing the same is not good. I need to to have inspiration. And and I can tell you this is working really good with the team. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, I think uh, it is in particular when you have teams remote, it is very important to have virtual event. Uh, although we were all uh, sent back to home to in the Corona hour times, but mm. now then we have uh, the <clears throat> international teams uh, and majority of them are located out of uh, Denmark. Uh, what we I have done in my previous company as well as in Melsk, I'm trying to is uh, engage them through the virtual events. Uh, we can have different kind of events. We send like some kind of wine to all of the people in India and uh, oh. also in Denmark and set together and then try to share and uh, taste the wine. For example, the other time we did was that we sent some different kind of food uh, to people in different locations and asked them how was it, and then we compared our food in here and there, and so we talked and socialized uh, more on that, right? Uh, but having said that, it is also important that I have seen that we all the people or the organizations that have team both locally as well as in uh, internationally, they tend to forget that the people that are in the in the local. Uh, place they also need to be part of that because they do separate sessions and uh, sometimes it doesn't work it has to be a team session because otherwise they will not socialize with the team in the Denmark or uh, in the in India as well and we if we do uh, any physical events here we'll also ensure that the people that are in Denmark or locally they should also get involved uh, because there are a lot of people actually still that are not coming to these social events and there should be given a bit focus on as well, uh, apart from virtual events. Yes. Yeah, I agree very much with uh, with what you said, Kaleen, especially this thing about uh, the, the daily, the daily uh, stand-up or the daily talk or, or whatever terminology you choose to use about it. It's very important that you, you talk together in, in what team or squad that you're located in uh, whatever kind of terminology you use for that, uh, because if you don't do it, you know, united, that can create some conflict. And it's very important to have this sense of unity that everybody mm. is included here and also everybody is heard because there are some people who are typically more introverted or extroverted who don't necessarily say something unless everybody goes their turn and, and talks about, you know, what, they, what they're doing for the day or what kind of obstacles they have. Um, and it also gives a, a sense of importance to everybody that if they have, oh, Today I have this issue or I'm facing this thing which is really not fun. Maybe someone else in the team have tried the same kind of issues and it just creates a, a sense of transparency for, for everybody. Um, and what we also do, which I think is a very important ceremony in according to Scrum, is the sprint retrospective, um, you know, where you can reflect a little bit on the last couple of sprints. What has went good? What has went not so good? Um, because I think that sometimes these kind of like uh, all these kind of sprints, uh, scrum ceremonies that people have, meeting with stakeholders, etc., can become you know very serious, and then you don't really get to focus on the the teamwork and the team spirit together. So just having a meeting that's not work related, but um, just focused on what you can improve as a team, and you know if there's any obstacles for the individual person, taking maybe an hour, 45 minutes out. Uh, every other week, something like that, uh, just to focus more on the individual. I think it's a really good idea and it's really motivated our people to to feel a little bit more heard um, and, and listened to. And then I think uh, at a different point that's also uh, very important is that you should host you know, some kind of social event 
I think you can also do that. It's obviously easier to do it physically, uh, but you can also do it remotely to do some kind of a Kahoot or quiz or something like that. Mm. Even though it, it, people might think, well, you know, this is a waste of time or something like this, it might it might you know still show some commitment from the company itself um, or from you as a leader itself. So I think that's really a, really um, really a good way to go. And then also just you know setting some general expectations for for the different employees. Um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a really good way to go. I, I can uh, just to add, I've, I've done cahoots uh, where we had some uh, new policies. So instead of just handing out a PDF file or mailing the PDF file, they got the PDF file and then they were notified, we're going to have a quiz in one week. And then I did some cahoots with them. And every everybody loved these kind of quizzes. Everybody wants to win. Um, and, and I'm sure they... I, I hope people read the policies when they get them, but but by doing it with a Kahoot, I ensured that they read, read them and it, it was fun in that way. Um, so I definitely Kahoot is super great, especially on remote, it works super great. Um, and and to Christopher's point about this info or these questions or small problems that you can discuss in like these small meetings, um, I can... So we use some some uh, Teams chats where we put different types of things, and then there's an informal way of just throwing out a question and then have a broad audience that can answer that, and that works really really well for technical questions. That is just my my thoughts on that. Okay, uh, I've kind of got a, a bit of a question on the back of Gunners. Uh, how frequent? should you be doing these kind of virtual events because you don't want to be doing them too frequent that they become perhaps a hindrance on work or that they don't get their full effectiveness because um, for example I know at Evolution we do a, a FICA to, to mirror both the Swedish and the, the Danes where we don't talk about work it's a half an hour every week everyone comes on and like yourself gonna we do quizzes and whatnot um, but yeah I'd like to hear you, your guys thoughts yeah well uh, normally what I say is these uh, small talks are small socializing even like Kahoot and all that uh, I think once in a month uh, we are trying to do that, uh, but um, a bigger socializing event where we have to like send some wine or some uh, food or so that we do at least uh, every th three months to ensure that there is a uh, socializing. And uh, once in a, twice in a year we also do some physical events, so we invite people around to come and actually have some fun together to make it actually more than just virtual as well. Yeah, so I think in support, support comes in waves. So sometimes you're like extremely busy and then you probably won't do some activity. But after, like when the waves go down, then you can do some some activity that can be fun and where you also show to the team that you appreciate what has been been transpiring the last couple of weeks or months or what how long it has been. So... It also depends on like workload, the timing. Um, it could also be, I remember a couple of years ago when we had like, we had like one of the, the big waves where everything was super, super busy and it has been going on for a very long time. I could feel that the, the team needed a break. So I s simply took a team meeting where I had planned a lot of really, really serious things and like threw it away. Uh, erased the agenda and we just started talking about uh, it was just before Christmas so whatever uh, people are going to have for, for Christmas dinner and, and got a relaxed talk out of that because that kind of boosted and gave energy to the team so 
as I think it's about feeling when there's the right time for for it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with your uh, point as well, Gunnar. Is that I think that uh, if you have a good team that's really connected, I think that the you know the timing comes pretty naturally as to when these events uh, occur. I think it, of course, in terms of you know the holidays, always good to have something, whether it be Christmas, Diwali, Easter, or something like that. But I think if you have a good connected team, um, then it, it comes pretty uh, pretty naturally when you know the team starts to to burn out or they need some kind of like uh, you know change change of scenery in in their daily work. So for example, if you have a a big project coming up where you know you have to do a lot of overtime or you know a lot more work than they they're really used to, um, you know that you're really working with them and afterwards you know you know have some kind of reward where you can not talk about work but talk about everything but work just so they know that um that working together is, is hard sometimes but there's also a personal benefit to it of having a great team that support each other not just professionally but but also on a, on a deeper level than just professionally if you can put it like that completely agree yeah. of that guys well let's jump into to Kaleem's question uh, and the final question of, of this podcast Kaleem kind of put it to me the most important thing to him is to have focus on the employees um so the, the question that he's got is is two-parted so how do you ensure the work-life balance for employees that are working remotely and how do you make them believe and become part of the company Clem, i'll come to you first as always yeah well <clears throat> as i said it is very important that uh, people should have time uh, for their family as well uh, the, the time apart from work as well because if you have a good life home you have a good uh, uh, chances that you will have a good growth in your company as well so for me it is important that they have the work-life balance and ensure that the people understand them because there are a lot of people that think that if they put a lot of extra effort and the the, the managers can see that oh he or she is doing a lot of he is spending 10 12 hours a day but i know that in the end they will burn out and i will lose that guy uh, so it is better for me to actually see that and ensure that they have a work-life balance and make sure that they understand that uh, you don't get any much out of it and that the organization itself doesn't get much out of it that you are burning out so we have to ensure that they uh, they uh, we have focus on that right and the, the the next part should i do that or should we take the first one i think let's take the first one chris i think uh, we'll come to you first on yeah um to to elaborate on on what Kaleem said, I think uh, I very much agree that the fact that you know that working overtime or giving that a little extra effort, you know, is is really good. If an employee does that, because it really shows that uh, you know that they have motivation, that is like rooted in the company itself, that they actually care about the company. But of course, that can only work for for a limited amount of time because then they will burn out um, and then it will cause stress or other kind of, of personal issues. So I think a, a great way to ensure that, you know, that they don't burn out or, or do, you know, just unlimited uh, overtime is that you set, you know, some milestones for each employee. So you make sure that if they do work extra hours or they do give an extra commitment, that it's actually measured um, and that you are able to, you know, reward that uh, employee, you know, whether it be financially or based on compensation or whatever it may be. Uh, but that you also pointed out and say, you know what, you, you've been given an extra amount of effort and we've actually been noticing it. And we actually want to tell you how happy or how appreciative we are of you of being at this company. Um, so we want to, you know, give you a compensation or give you a, an extra week of vacation or whatever it may be that's important for, for that employee. So I think noticing when 
uh, employers are giving the extra effort, uh, ensuring that they don't burn out or give too much because sometimes it's a leader, you have to step in and set those boundaries um, and also rewarding the, the employee with whatever may they, whatever the preferred reward may be uh, when they actually deliver on on, on that, that extra work. I completely agree. Um, I think that recognition of of people is super important that whenever they've done something great, then make sure they get a clap on the shoulder, get a, a reward and make sure they feel recognized. Um, that is really important. And that can change the mood um, of, of how some a situation is perceived by the employee. Um, I remember many years ago when I was just starting, um, I, I worked in the IT department and I had to go in on a Saturday between Christmas and New Year's and I was like, mm, this is not good and I was like crunchy and then the CEO came, put a bottle of red wine on the table and said, I really appreciate what you're doing and that completely changed my mindset and was like, this is the best bottle of wine I've ever been given and I don't even like wine. so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but that was a recognition, and I never forget that, and I've carried that on with me for the rest of life. Recognition is is super important. That can change the mood, and and if you get that recognition, you are less likely to burn out. And then we shouldn't abuse that. We should make sure that people have the the work life balance they need. Family time is is super important because people are working to to su- supply for their family, not the other way around. So that's that's is important. Yeah. What I want to add on that is that I think it is important that we make sure the employees understand that uh, they are worth something, right? They are not just like employees doing the work and we say, okay, whatever. They need to understand that uh, even if they are doing eight hours of work or uh, nine hours of work per, per day, and they're delivering a more effort, uh, more value to the, to the company. That is important rather than they're spending a lot of time trying to just show it that they are working hard. And one thing that. And then we need to enable, understand that people uh, get uh, uh, motivated, of course, as you've two said as well, uh, recognition. Yeah. And uh, recognition doesn't have to be uh, just the, the awards or money or anything. Like just going uh, to the, the uh, to your colleague and just tapping uh, uh, on uh, his shoulder and telling him, well, you're doing a great job. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, it's it's uh, You're doing good. And I think that motivates them a lot. Uh, and then I will come to the, my next question, uh, actually, to the how do you make them believe and become part of the company? Because it is important that they understand the value they're delivering by their work, because I think that uh, if they don't understand what value they are delivering, they will never be motivated to what they're doing. They're only doing it for the money and to run their home, I believe. So how do you do uh, that uh, with your people so that they're motivated and they are committed to what they're doing? Chris, we'll come back around to you. Sure thing. Um, that's a, I think that's a, that's a great question. And I think the reason to, or like the, the way that you let employers know that they're actually providing value is, of course, you know, that you tell them or you show them, you know, what, what kind of work they're delivering towards the end product, um, that they can see it. I mean, that's obviously a good thing about being the developer that you, whenever you, you work, when you're an engineer, you are working, you know, as a craftsman, you can typically see the way that your work is actually uh, going to be put into a system. I think usually, and this happens more at, at larger companies, at larger enterprises, at least from my experience, 
is that when you're working on a really large system, I think that a lot of developers, a lot of engineers can sometimes feel a little bit in insignificant in the terms that there are a lot of engineering uh, people, a lot of developers working, doing a very small part on a, on a very big system. So I think especially in those cases, it's, it's very important um, that you don't just see your work being provided as a, as a craftsman, but also you you tell them that uh, that their work is very important and maybe even give some use cases like, oh, you created this feature or you fixed this bug, which actually ensures that we can deliver value to our end user or to a customer in this way or this way. Because as an engineer, you don't really see the, the business side of things that often, but it's also important to, to let them know that there are actually some end results and some people relying on their work in the other end. Um, and furthermore, I think that it's just important, just as important for the for the leader or the manager, whoever the, the person above that developer may be, that they tell them that they're doing a, a good job if they are, but also their, their co-workers, their, their other engineers, um, because they're the ones who are actually writing the code uh, that's supposed to, to fit all together. Um, so they're often very reliant on each other. And I think coming back to one of my previous points regarding these, these peer reviews, for example, if uh, you have someone reviewing code uh, either for a back-end developer and then a front-end developer has to use that code, actually saying, you know what, that was actually a nice little thing you did there or the way you, you solved this issue was actually really nice. So just recognizing both on, on a higher level, saying that, you know, we actually, the end customer is super satisfied or the end user is super satisfied, but also going down to a very detailed level saying the way that you named your variable or whatever it may be was actually was actually super good. Um, and maybe I could learn something from, from the way that you do that. Um, because that way you get it both from a, from a very detailed level to a, a very, very high level. And then I think that's a formula for, for very satisfied uh, developers in general. And Gunnar? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, it's, again, it's a good question. And, and Christopher, you basically took a lot of the good points out of my mouth again. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, good points. I, I think that um, I'm working in a large company and we have so fortunate that the company itself is also doing a lot of initiatives. Uh, so they, we can sign up for a lot of different things that is done company-wide. Um, like they run a month of uh, health, uh, whatever, or weight loss, or they have some from veterans, or if there's been a hurricane somewhere, there's a collection. So there's always some initiatives uh, around the globe that where you can be part of that, that's going company-wide. And then there's the, the things that you can do within the team. And I think Christopher hit, hit the nail on, on a lot of these things. Um, so I think that if you have the combination of what can be done company-wide and plus then the, the, the senior management, if they're visible to the employee, like like a quarterly virtual meeting where they're telling how the company is doing. So we all know that what I'm going to, what I'm doing here is being like summed up in the total effort is, uh, is worth something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like to add on it and I want to take the point because we mentioned that, uh, like you have to tell him that uh, him or her, that uh, this variable, the way you made did like it was beautiful it's it made the code so easily readable for me right i was in the communication with the team and we were talking about recognition and how do you understand the value that is you're providing one of the guy actually came to uh, with a comment that exactly matched what so christopher said is that 
well, there are sometimes I feel like I'm uh, I'm either stupid or the management is stupid. I said, okay, can you please uh, elaborate on that? And I said, like a lot of people come in and say, oh, you're doing a great job, but they even don't know what I'm doing, actually. So we need to understand that uh, when you praise someone, you also understand what exactly that they provided. So you have to put the context in place. Like you do, oh, you remember last week you had fixed this bug for me? That was wonderful, man. I, I appreciate the effort you put on to that. So it is important we are, when we are recognizing, we also understand what we are making them recognize for. Uh, and yes, uh, value. How do you, well, I've been, I think I've been talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of uh, things regarding to how do you put the value into people uh, like I'm working with uh, with ships uh, and um, and we are trying to send people on board vessels and try to see uh, let them see what exactly and who exactly is it using uh, and to see exactly how much help does the, the the application provide to people on board because people on board are away from shore for two to three months and then uh, they are on the shore and they are on the, so they have a lot of things they have to do but they also have to go into the computer and find out okay I have to send reports back to the shore the application we are creating we are making them easier for them that uh, this application is taking all the sensor values for, for automatically and send the reports back to the shore. So chief engineer doesn't have to think about it. So this is one help that we are providing. And when they see that how much time he has actually uh, have extra to do other things, they understood, okay, we are providing some kind of a value to people. These kind of things we need to do with our people to make sure that they understand what value they are providing rather than just fixing like two plus two is equal to four, not, not five. This Everybody can do that, and but we need to make sure that they understand that what does it mean in the end, what is four and what is five for the chief engineer. When we do that, definitely they will understand what the value we deliver for the company and why we should be part of it. And then there is a whole agenda like in mask is that decarbonization. This is a huge buzzword at the moment, decarbonization and carbon dioxide emissions control. So people actually get connected to that. So we need to find that in our teams as well, like finding the value and trying to make sure that we can bind them with the team. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does from my side. And Chris, I don't know if you got anything to add to, to yeah, clean the last point. I agree. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that the, 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 the values and binding something to it is very important. We have a value here in interest about learning. And then everyone has been given access to LinkedIn Learning. Um, that adds value for the employee. Um, so binding efforts to values is a super good thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree as well. It comes back to purpose, doesn't it? And and, and yeah. linking that, what they're doing. Definitely. Okay, Definitely. excellent. Well, I think for, we'll leave it there for, for this week. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I would really like to take this opportunity to thank Chris, Galeem and Gunnar for providing their insights, questions around this topic, and, and thank you guys for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.